Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Church of the Lakes Online. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Glad to have you with us. And for those of you who are veterans, let me say Happy Veterans Day. Uh, this Thursday is the actual Veterans Day, uh, but here at Church of the Lakes, we're celebrating our veterans this morning, and uh, we just want you to know how grateful we are um, for all that you've done, for the sacrifices you made, for those of you uh, that that actually were deployed and, and, and went to war somewhere and fought for our freedoms. Uh, thank you. Seems kind of trite, to be honest. Um, but thank you. Uh, we are extremely grateful for your sacrifice, extremely grateful that I have the freedom to do this, that we have the freedom to assemble, all those things. We're going to talk about some of those things today. Uh, but thank you. We honor you today, and we are extremely, extremely grateful for your service. So, again, welcome to Church of the Lakes Online, and, and I want to reiterate our e-guide. This is really helpful for you. Uh, pull it up on your phone. You go to cotlakes.com, go to the little bars here, and then hit e-guide, and you've got everything you need. If you're a first-time guest, this is the first time checking us out, there's a place there where you can let us know you're a first-time guest. Just ask for a few pieces of information, and then we have the ability to communicate with you. We're not going to blast you, and we're not going to give out your information. Uh, you can you can trust us uh, with that. But we'd just like to know who you are, where you're watching from, and maybe how we can help you on your journey of uh, of. of following Jesus and, and understanding what that means, uh, events, small groups, sermon notes. We're about to get into a lesson, and those notes are available for you. Next steps, giving, all kinds of things that are available, so check out the e-guide. So, uh, again, I just am so grateful for our veterans today. We're so grateful for what they have done, and um, I know that generations behind me, we struggle a bit with honoring. We struggle a bit with honoring you. A lot of it is because most of us have not been through wartime. You know, those that you went, those of you who went through major wartime, um, um, there, there's a sense of the the country having to come together. There's an understanding, and so we we really kind of struggle quite a bit with kind of remembering what our veterans have done for us. And so I want to talk about that a little bit today, and I, I want to give credit to Pastor Andy Stanley for a lot of content I'm going to use today. Um, and, and thank him for what he does in his ministry. But I, I really want to kind of talk about what is it that our veterans um, have, have given us? What is it? Why, why do we honor and why are we thanking them? And before I do that, let me say this to you. Take your filters off. All right. Some of you are real red. Some of you are real blue. Some of you are libertarian because you can't make up your mind. That's a joke. Don't get mad at me. I'm just kidding. Um, but, but, but the reality being is, is that we all have filters, right? Automatically. Uh, I say this all the time, uh, in our life step classes that actually start today. And that is, uh, if I say Donald Trump, there's some of you that go America and there's some of you that throw up in your mouth a little bit. Right. And vice versa. If I say Joe Biden or if I say, you know, Kamal Harris or something else. And, and so do this for me this morning as we walk through this. Um, I'm not hinting at whatever it is that you think I'm hinting at. <laughs> All right. My, my job today, although I'm going to talk a lot about politics today, 
my job is not to get political today. My job is actually to look at what does the scripture command us as Jesus followers to do. We're just coming out of a series on the book of Daniel. Right. And in that book, what we were talking about was Daniel lived in a pagan culture. How do you live in a culture that is really anti-God, which is sort of the way it feels like our culture is headed right now, or maybe is already there in a lot of ways. Um, how do you live in that culture and yet still be like Daniel, be influential, uh, be someone who is asked for your opinion or brings what the what the scripture tells us our job is to be salt and light, makes everything that we do. Um, better and brighter, right? Better and brighter. That's what salt and, and light do. And that's our job. So how do we, how do we kind of do that? Well, let me go back to this question I just asked. W- what did all of these amer- amazing veterans, um, fight for and defend? And I think we could all agree that probably if we summed it down, the easiest way to sum it down would be freedom, right? Freedom. Um, if there's one thing that defines, I think in our culture, our freedom's the best. If you're trying to find one specific kind of document or something that kind of defines our freedoms, I think you'd have to turn to something called the Bill of Rights, right? The Bill of Rights. Most countries don't have anything like this. They don't have anything like the Bill of Rights. Uh, the, we, we are far beyond most other countries. So let me remind you, in case you've forgotten what the Bill of Rights is, right? And it's the first 10 amendments to the U.S. Constitution ratified in 1791. So that's how far these rights go back and what our veterans ever since then have been fighting to maintain in our freedom. So what are they? Well, let's look real quick. Freedom of religion, speech, press, and assembly, right? We can express our faith. That's why we can do this this morning. Those of us who are gathering live at the school, uh, we have that ability to assemble um, and come together, right? We can say what we want, right? I can say whatever I want right now, and you can get on and comment right back, rah, 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 right? And we have the freedom of speech to be able to say what we want. We can write or report. This is the freedom of the press, whatever we want, right? And there's a lot of arguing that goes back and forth on, you know, is the press, is it biased? Of course it's biased. Every single person is biased. As soon as you open your mouth, what comes out of your mouth is biased, Right? It's all based upon a particular worldview and your traditions and the way you filter things and, and everything else. But we have freedom to express that. And, and we didn't have to get permission to do this this morning. We don't have to have permission to get together at the high school. We have the freedom to assembly. All right. Second Amendment. Boy, do we know this one because there's a lot of controversy going on. As a matter of fact, uh, there's big controversy going on right now with a lawsuit in New York uh, over the right to bear arms. Right. Not bear arms, but bear arms. Right. Got to spell it correctly. Uh, but to bear arms, meaning that we are able to own guns. Right. To, to protect ourselves in that process. Three. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful for this one. I know you are, too. We don't have to quarter soldiers. Uh, so that means that in wartime or anything else, you, they can't force you to make your house turn into barracks uh, for soldiers. That's kind of something for way back in the day as opposed to today. But it's there. Uh, fourth one, freedom from unreasonable search and seizure. This is why somebody's got to get a warrant, right? This is why a cop just can't pull you over and just start going through all your stuff or whatever. They have to have probable cause and those kind of things. So there's balance to policing our people and doing it in a healthy way. Uh, number five, the right to due process of law, freedom from self-discrimination and double jeopardy, right? That you can't be retried and those type of things. So 
These are, this is what makes our country great is some of these things that, that maintain the dignity of individuals. Six, the right to, of an accused person, uh, to have a speedy and public trial. So if you're accused of something, um, it's not like in, you know, in the back of the courthouse, like one or two people can just pull you in and go, you did this. We're throwing you in jail. No, it's got to be tried publicly. Why? For accountability. What I, what I think we see in all of this is the, the wisdom of our founding fathers is they understood the sinful nature of man. Right. They they came from the point of view that God was the creator and that man was sinful. And we need to put some things that are some boundaries so that we don't tread on each other. Right. And so that we don't that we don't hurt each other in the process. Number seven is right of a trial by jury in civil cases. Right. That you can go and have a a, a, a jury of your peers. Right. Is, is the way we say it, that, that there are people that come from the community that are somewhat similar to you or, you know, or a mix of people that can give that. Number eight, freedom from excessive bail. Or cruel and unusual punishment. So uh, they actually started back then with, the, hey, if you can put some bail up until we have your court case kind of deal. Now I'm going to skip nine because I want to come back to it because I want to focus on it. But the number t- ten is powers reserved to the state. And, and, and a simple way of saying that, and this is a, a very simple way of saying it, but kind of the whatever powers are not given to the federal government are given to the states. Right? So we, we maintain some balance there. So, so this is kind of the sum of the rights the founding fathers had in mind, right? This, this is, this is, this is the basic ones, but they did leave room for the fact that maybe life or culture or things would change. And so they put in the Ninth Amendment. So let me read that um, and show you what the Ninth Amendment says. It says, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Got it? No, me either, right? You got to read that like five times. But let me break it down for you, right? If we were to write the Ninth Amendment, now let me say it to you this way. If we were writing, rewriting the Ninth Amendment in today's language, and if we were rewriting it the way people are trying to translate it today, let me say that specifically, then it would say something like this. We have the right to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, as long as it doesn't interfere with anyone else's amended Ninth Amendment rights. Right? Do whatever I want, where I want. So, th- so what do we say today? I have rights. I have rights. You can't tell me I have rights. Right? And the only time we're concerned about those rights is if it sort of treads on somebody else's rights. But there's a major problem with that type of mentality, and it's this. Individual rights must be coupled with individual responsibility individual rights must be coupled with individual responsibility now if you give people rights but they aren't coupled with responsibility things go horribly wrong now individual rights have to be coupled with responsibility let me say it this way liberty without responsibility undermines liberty right when we get to a because there's going to come a point where I should be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, but it's going to tread on you doing whatever you want, however you want. I mean, what if I say to my neighbors, like, I don't think my yard's big enough, so I'd like to move the fence over 15 feet and have a little bit bigger backyard, right? Well, who's right? Because I want to do it. Well, yeah, but it treads on their rights, and then we get into argument, and, and we have struggles. It's funny because parents know this. Parents know that if you give rights... But your child is irresponsible. What do you do? You take the rights away. 
How many of you have ever had the car keys taken away? Right? Or, or, or you've taken the car, you can't use the car, you're grounded or whatever, right? Let me ask you a question. Why did you not look at your parents and say, whoa, 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 I have rights. Because in that moment, can I say this to you? You had in your pocket a driver's license from the state of Florida that gave you the right to drive. They can't take your right away. Oh, yes, they can. Because the reason you didn't say that, because you didn't even get smacked. Like, let's answer that question. But do you get my point? My point being that rights without responsibility leads to anarchy. Right? The argument in our current culture is really about who are we responsible to. The issue is not rights. We all agree we have rights. The issue is, where is the responsibility? Right? And the authors of the Bill of Rights assumed something very, very critical. They assumed moral guardrails. Right? Provided a level of personal responsibility. But they made this this assumption that that responsibility was to God. Let me say it this way. We have divine accountability. That is the mindset of our founding fathers. We are all accountable to God for how we exercise our individual rights. Now, let me prove that to you. Let me show you, because you can read all kinds of their writings and see that one in their personal writings. But let me show it to you in the preamble to the Declaration of Independence. It says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident. In other words, duh, like, right? This is obvious assumptions. That all men are created equal. Duh. All men are created equal. All people are equal. And check this, that we are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable. Now that unalienable, let me define that for you. That means it's unable to be taken away from or given away by the possessor. So it, God gives these unalienable rights, things that this is just nature. This is the way he created to function. Right? Individual rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There was an assumed connection, hear this, between God and the rights that you have. Between God and the right. That God, not government, gives rights. Let me show it to you in a quote from John Adams. Look at this, look at this quote. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Stop. Our constitution, the only way this thing works, the only way that this, this thing works is if the people that it's over are moral and religious. He goes on to say, it is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That's John Adams, right? When my rights infringe upon your rights, who's to say who's right? Right? And we've come to a culture that now says, hey, when rights collide, the courts decide. Right? That was not the intent of the founding fathers. If this is the case, then government has to create law after law after law after. Why do we have so many laws? Well, because we are now at a place where we're trying to create a law for every single particular individual situation, right? And so we have law after law after law after law. And when all we do is focus on our rights without a responsibility to God, then we become a people that are looking for loopholes. 
Right? We become a people that are looking for what is the, what is the minimum that I can do? In a culture that focuses on rights and does not consider itself responsible to God, as our founding fathers assumed, the courts have to decide. Now, if the courts decide, that means we're going to put in law in place. So the difference is, is we have rights, but one mindset is, is that we're responsible to God. The other mindset is, we're responsible to whatever the law says. Right? And that's where our culture has shifted. We have shifted to a place now where it's no longer we're responsible to God and what he says and what his word says. We are now responsible to the minimum of whatever the court decides. Right? So everything is decided. When rights collide, the courts decide. But there's a problem with our responsibility being to the law. The law represents the minimum requirement. Right? The law basically says, how low can you go? How far can I go without breaking the law? What can I get by with? How fast can I go before I get a ticket? Come on, y'all. Everybody argues the eight miles an hour. Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't act like you hadn't had that conversation, right? If it, well, if you're only eight miles, I've had this conversation with my teenagers, right? That they said to me, I hadn't been driving that long. And they're like, yeah, but you can go like eight over, right? How, how far can I go? Before I get a ticket. How far can I go where I get a ticket, but I don't get arrested? How far can I go where I get a ticket and I get arrested, but it actually like I could get it expunged off? Are you hearing what I'm saying? What laws do is they drive people to a minimum. But the law is powerless to do the most important thing. And that is the law does not inspire greatness, excellence, or virtue. So in a culture that says we have rights and our responsibility is to the law, it becomes a culture looking to do the absolute minimum. Traffic laws don't make you a courteous driver. Tax laws don't make you generous or financially responsible. Civil laws don't make you civil. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, homeowners association rules do not make you a good neighbor. Come on, somebody. Right? DUI laws don't, don't inspire sobriety. Assault and battery laws don't make you a good husband. Marriage licenses don't make you a good wife. The right to free speech doesn't make you kind. You can sleep with whomever you want. The law does not inspire marital fidelity or waiting until you're married to have sex. Do, do, do you see the, the, the issue that we're going to have if our responsibility is only coupled to laws is that it's always going to be how low can I go? How, what is the minimum that I have to do to get by here? Look at Galatians 2 and 21. I do not set aside, this is Paul writing, um, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness can be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And what that says is, and, and what I read in that is, the law of, of even the law that is the Old Testament is completely incapable of making you righteous. It's, it's incapable of making you, it is only Christ. In other words, our rights are there, given by God. Our responsibility is not to what a court says or what a law says. Our responsibility is to God himself who gave those inalienable rights in the first place, right? Individual rights. So what are the, what's the result? Well, the, the result is individual rights regulated by law. 
right? And we can say what we want on Facebook, and we can heckle the president's speech, and we can be crude as we want and call it art. And we can take selfies with cleavage hanging out, and we can protest a football game or elsewhere. We can demand equal pay regardless of my work ethic, and on and on and on. And this is a recipe for you and me to be as selfish as we legally can be. I want that to sink in just a little bit. And I want us to kind of recognize what's going on in our culture. And even maybe sometimes what we're participating with in our culture. Rights in that type of scenario become nothing more than an exercise of power. Right? It just becomes, if I can get the court to rule in my favor, I have control or power. And listen to me, as a result, a culture with with rights regulated by laws... In a culture like that, the rich will always uh, rule the poor. Women will always somewhat be considered a commodity. Children are victims. If it's legal, it's moral. Ooh, let me say that again. If it's legal, it's moral, right? We base our morality off of whether or not a court says we can or cannot do something. Law then informs conscience. And everybody is looking for a loophole. And I would say this. This is a pretty harsh statement. I believe that our laws have been permanently separated from responsibility to God in our culture. I think I, I, I would like to be wrong and I would like to, and I'm sure somebody out there is going to be, no, God can bring revival and all this. And, and that's true. But at this point and where we are and those that are in power to try to get people to limit themselves simply off of moral standards is, is an uphill battle, Right. And so, wow, did I just bring you to a place, right? God bless America. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later, right? But, I mean, thanks, Pastor Mike, for depressing the heck out of me and in this. But, but I brought you to that place because I do want to say this. Listen to me. There is hope. There is hope. And you go, well, where's the hope? Well, here's the hope. Some 60 to 70 percent of our country considers themselves to be some sort of Christian, Right? And I'll say this to you, it is the behavior of the people that can change our trajectory, not laws. It's not voting the right people in that's going to change our our country and our culture. Listen to me, vote, be active, do those kind of things. I went to a thing this week that was talking about what's going on in the political world, and I wanted to be up to date and understand how to deal with it, and I want to understand how to vote and how to talk to other people. But can I say this to you? The only way that things change in our culture is for the church to be the church. If enough Christians begin to live differently and not make the law our minimum, but be inspired to live off of our individual responsibility to our God, well, then revival comes. See, our country will not vote godly laws until it becomes a godly nation. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? We're not going to vote in godly laws till we become a godly nation. In other words, it's not about winning a voting block. It's about winning up heart of the people. And how are we going to do that? By us being the church ourselves. Let me show it to you in Galatians 5 and 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Absolutely. We love that part, right? Free. I do what I want. Whoa, well, no, wait, 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 wait. We're not talking about responsibility to law. We're talking about responsibility to God. And he goes on and he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. How low can I go? What can I get away with, right? Rather, serve one another humbly in love. 
For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can I say it to you this way? You have the right not to. You don't have to do this. Right? And if you are responsible to laws, you don't have to serve others. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the responsibility to God to serve others. In other words, I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to leverage my freedom to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to look at, to, to, at everyone in my life through the lens of how would I want to be treated. I'm going to look at my girlfriend and say, I'm going to treat her the way that I would want someone to treat my little sister. I'm going to look at my spouse and say, I'm going to treat them the way that I saw my dad treat my wife or the way I wish I had seen my mom treat my dad. Right. When when we change that lens and I'm going to begin, I'm going to begin to treat my coworker the way I wish I was treated at work. I'm going to begin to treat my boss the way I would want to be treated if I was the boss and having to be in charge and having the weight of everything on their shoulders. If everyone did that, there would be almost no need for any of our laws. Right. In other words, when a nation looks up and asks How good can I be? All the fine print and all the laws become completely irrelevant. What would it look like if those of us who are Jesus followers all together for one day, even just one day, served? What would it look like if Mike decided today, everywhere I'm driving, I'm going to let everyone or everyone else go first? Right? Because that's a place where I get selfish. That's a place where I get ugly. And, and, and what would it look like? I, I think it would look like this. I think the police officer would be standing there going, okay, come on. And the two people go, no, you first. No, you first. No, you first. And the cop's going, come on, guy. And he's like, no, but I don't want to go first. I want him to go first. Right? There's no need for laws at that point. Right? And so at some point, we have to ask ourselves, do I look at my rights? As coupled with a responsibility to God, or am I looking at my rights sheerly upon what the law says that I can get away with? At some point, do we make the law God? If it's legal, it's moral. If I, if I can do this, like, let me ask the question, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just asking a silly question. But should you drive 70? I don't know, if it's down pouring rain, if the road's jacked up, if there's other people around you that, you know, I mean, what if we begin to look instead of saying, well, the law says I can go 70. The law says I can do this. The law says I can do that. Instead of looking and and, and understanding our rights through the lens of the law, that we looked at, at, at our rights as given by God and I'm responsible to him. And Paul goes on to tell us, What happens if we don't do that? I think we're seeing this in our current culture. Let me show you. Galatians 5 and 15. If you bite and devour each other, boy, does that sound familiar? Uh, Social media, right? That's what pops into my mind, right? You put put something in the thread and, whoo, bite and devour. Here it comes, right, as we go at each other. It goes on, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other, right? We're a nation of laws, but we are a people called to do more than the minimum. Christians are commanded to love our neighbors as ourselves and to do unto others as God through Christ has done unto us. So I've got to leverage my individual rights for the benefit of others.
right? Because if I don't, then my liberty will devour us. My liberty tied only to laws and your liberty only tied to laws. We will bite and devour. We'll turn into dogs, right? That are, that are animalistic and biting each other and destroying each other. That's what he says. These great men and women that we celebrate today fought and served to give us freedom, to give us unalienable rights, rights that have been coupled with divine responsibility. You and I don't need law of the land to be a certain way for us to live in a way that honors the sacrifice of our veterans. Listen to me, vote, be an activist. Do not understand me saying we should not be active in that. But here's what I am saying to you. We are not going to change a, a nation by becoming a voting block. We're going to change a nation by becoming an obedience block. We're going to change a nation by becoming a people that live a certain way. The people around us say, I want to live that way too. Join us. And guess what? Then they'll change the way they vote. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? We're going to have to win people to an understanding of what it means to be responsible to our God and live to him and choose that themselves for them to turn around and vote differently or change who they think should be making decisions. Right? It's an obedience issue. It is a people saying, I have rights, but I'm responsible to my God for how I use them. So let me give you some practical thoughts. Here's, here's just let me close with this and give you some practical thoughts. Number one, do what's just, not what's justified. Do what's just, not what's justified. Let me give you something to ask. How high can I reach and how can I help? How high can I reach and how can I help? I dare you to walk into work tomorrow and go, how can I help? Right? We don't do that. We don't, we don't do that here. Right? You help yourself to your stuff and I help myself to, and every once in a while I try to help myself to what you're helping yourself to. Like that's, that's the mentality and I need you to hear and understand a reality there. No, 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 not minimum. How do I help? Go to your spouse and say, how do I help? Now guys, make sure she's sitting down because I don't want her passing out and falling in her head. Right? But how, how can I help you? How, how do I help? This is what it looks like to be the people of God. Number two, do what's responsible, not what's permissible. Do what's responsible, not what's permissible. Here's a phrase that I want you to pick up and make your own. That's my responsibility. Let me say this to you. What's going on in your community? That's your responsibility. And we go, oh, no, I ain't. Uh, I'm out. Like, you know, our only word answer to that is PFF. Right? Like, I got nothing. And, and, and listen to me. That's my responsibility. That's your neighborhood. I don't care if you're just renting. I don't care if you don't own it. I don't care. That This is my neighborhood. And that's my kid's school. And, 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 and this is the place that God has placed me. Because when I understand my rights have been given with a responsibility to God, then I understand the plan. The plan is I'm here and he's given me rights and he's given me freedoms. Why? That I might express them in a way that serve other people people instead of serve myself so i don't do what what what's permissible i do what's responsible number three do what's moral not what's modeled i need you to make a statement i'm done taking my moral cues from the people around me right do, do what's moral not what's what's modeled and when we, when we see people model stuff it looks good and it looks fun and all that kind of stuff and sometimes it is for a very short amount of time 
But when you understand we are a people who have been given unalienable rights by our Creator, why? That we might use them in a way to serve other people. Then it matters how I live. Then it matters the choices that I make to what's moral, not what's modeled. And number four is, is just the catch-all of honor God. Honor God. I'll give you a question to ask. In your decisions, in your decisions to express your freedom, your rights, when it's coupled with the responsibility of God, that person might ask this. What would be the most honoring thing to God in this situation? What would be the most honoring thing to God in this situation? Let me close with something that I find extremely sobering, to be quite honest. Because I quoted John Adams earlier. But let me quote him again. Look at this quote. Posterity. Okay, that's a word saying you. In other words, he literally is talking to you. Because he's saying, for all Americans that come after us, posterity, you... You will never know how much it costs the present generation to preserve your freedom. Just like today, most of us really don't know what some of the veterans around us, what they had to sacrifice, what they went through. The PTSD, the time and traction because they had shrapnel in their leg or in the arm or in their head or right, or the, the, all, the, all the things. You'll never know, and, and that's what John Adams is saying. You, you're not going to, this present generation, generation you're not going to completely understand what it costs. And he goes on. But I hope you'll make good use of it. If you do not, I shall repent in heaven that I ever took half the pains to preserve it. And I think John Adams, if he could look at us today, if he could sit right here and do this video or be at our church today, I think he would look and and he would say to you, your rights are coupled with a responsibility to God. This is how our founding fathers set up this nation. And no, People around us may not be living that way. But if you want to ultimately make a change in our community, our region, our county, our state, this nation, we've got to vote. We've got to try to get right people there. We've got to fight against lies and things that are not truth. But the real revival and the real change is going to come because of a group of people who've decided, you know what? I'm going to say, how high can I jump? Not how low can I go? So I'm going to challenge you today. Um, to really take a moment and say, God, check my heart of this. Where is it that I've settled to this culture's idea of minimum? And God, give me courage to, to do what others may not be doing. Right? Let me, let me pray for you in that. Father, um, challenging message this morning for us to stand up and be who you've called us to be. Let me say we first, we repent. We ask your forgiveness for using these rights that you've given us for our own gain or for our own comfort or for our own whatever. We recognize today we were given these rights with the responsibility to serve others, to be salt and light, to make things better and brighter. And so God, let us not be a people that make John Adams regret what he did or any of the veterans that we are here to celebrate today. But God, a people who live the freedom we've been giving by these great men and women in a way that honors you and brings the revival that we seek in our nation. We pray it and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for watching today. Love you all and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. 
please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.